Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Views on View. I'm your host, Lindsay Wardell. With me today is Steve Edwards. Hello. Welcome. From Portland, by the way. Yes. Rainy Portland. Yep. That's shocking. It's never that way here. No, never. And special guest today is Alba Silvente. Welcome. Hi, everyone. I'm from Amsterdam. (laughs) Great. And how is it in Amsterdam today? 10 degrees, but at least it's not raining, so I'm so happy. (laughs) I I could live with that right now. Uh. So we should specify that's 10 Celsius, not Fahrenheit, correct? Yeah. Okay. Little difference there. Just a slight difference. What is that right now? That's 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's not too far off from here. A little bit colder. Awesome. Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. Well, thank you for joining us today, Alba. I was directed to see who you were and talk to you by Debbie, actually, for a previous guest on the podcast. She said that you were an ambassador about Nuxt, and you were very interested in Storyblock. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> awesome. They've introduced so, me. So before we before we begin, would you be able to introduce yourself a little bit? Maybe how you got into programming? Yeah, of course. My name is Alba Silvente. I'm from Spain, but now I'm living in the Netherlands. And at this moment, I'm working as a senior consultant in front-end development at a company called Blue Harvest here in Amsterdam. And I started in the web development world five years ago, more or less. While I was studying engineering of image and sound in telecommunication. I know it doesn't have any relation, but the first years of my degree are quite similar to the computer science. So I just start in the practices for that degree in a company as a full stack developer, just as an intern. And I start learning how to develop with PHP, JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. And then I follow with the preprocessors, SAS, and LES also. And I was playing around with jQuery, so I learned a lot there. I have a good mentor that helped me a lot uh, with the good practices, how to write clean code. We make libraries like Bootstrap and that kind of stuff. We make it for our company, so it was amazing. And then I just specialize in front-end development because I like it more than back-end. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and... And I started working with the frameworks. First, I tried React, but I didn't like it so much. So I started with Angular and I started with version four, but then I migrated to six and I started working in some companies with Angular. But then I discovered Vue and I get just in love with Vue and I want to work with that technology. So I just searched for a job and I found a job in an Irish company that have an office in Alicante, my local town. So I just started working with Vue remotely and I learned a lot of how to build great application with Vue. And then I just moved to Next for my personal projects only, but I'm working with Vue in a daily basis. And that's me. <laughs> so I'm curious, since you moved from back end to front end, what was it about the front end that, that spoke to you more? Yeah, I think it's because I'm quite focused also on how it looks because I like how the designers make it real and I can just with code make it real in a website. I think it's because I can see the result for me there because my eyes like it 
And when I'm writing code in backend, it's just maybe faster or without memory cache or something like that. But it's not the good result as I can see in the front end side. All right. So so it's it's partially that you're able to to solve problems, which I think is how you got into programming. But also it's that you can see it, right? Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that make that makes sense. And you said uh, when you were starting, you were using less and SAS. Is that something you still use when you're when you're building front ends? Yeah, I, I, I would imagine. I would imagine that's something that that integrates really nicely into Vue, as opposed to something like Angular or React. Yeah, when when I start just writing CSS, I was using Bootstrap, as I mentioned. So we moved to SAS just to create our own classes and to make the library. So I, when I discovered SAS, I almost did every project I have after that with SAS because I really like how I can do it with mixins, how I can extract things and make it reusable. Like I'm doing JavaScript or something like that. So I feel so comfortable to making reusable places and and make nested elements. So I, I really like how it works more than the CSS because it's just a simple file. So you can just abstract it more. So for that, I choose to work with SAS in every project. I also use it for Vue. I also use it for NAS. Also with Tywin CSS, I'm using SAS because I, I prefer to do my classes just to be reusable and don't have every class in the HTML. So I use it in every, everything. <laughs> Does I, I know from my experience that Tailwind is, is uh, post-CSS rather than SAS. Does it integrate nicely with SAS or do you have to do anything ah, you can do it just... to, to get it working? No, it's so cool because you can do it just with the apply. It's at apply. You have to add this method and you just call the classes as you are working in HTML. And then they, in the post CSS, they are compiling it. So you you have it like a CSS file for them. They yeah, I had just... the same question. I had the same question. So that <laughs> makes a lot more sense that apply. It's basically just creating your own grouping of your atomic classes that you want to apply all over the place. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. And you said you, for your personal projects, you moved over to Nuxt. What interested you in Nuxt compared to just building standard view single page applications? Because when I go to a conference called View Day in Alicante, my local city, I just see some talks about performance. And Debbie was one of the speakers, obviously, and was talking about Nuxt and how the speed just increased incredible. So I just want to take a look and see where it's behind that that technology, why they have this performance and I have a view application and it's not like that. So when I build it and I see the possibilities you have to build an application on view, I just realized that I need to use NAS just to don't have to fight with everything they fight before to do it. So I just think it's better for me just to use it because I don't have to make all the performance stuff. They do it for me. So... I'm just using NAS for have the best application I can have with Vue. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That's in many ways that's why I like Nuxt as well. That I can, for example, I, I recently put together a static site for a health clinic that I participate with, and I use Nuxt to build my static site and just using the static site generation that Nuxt provides. And I was incredibly grateful for that ability just to build something that has all of those benefits inherent in it. I didn't have to think about how am I going to write, compile this? How am I going to make it into static assets or anything? It was all just done for me. Yeah, that's why it's style also. 
Nice. So I see on your on your site, which I'm it looks like it is built in Next. Are are you since we're talking about it, are you using static site generation or are you doing server-side rendering for your website? I'm using full static site generation because before oh. they have static sites, but they don't have the full static that I want with the also API calls catch or make it in API load. So I just start using the static site only when they just upload the the full static site generation. Okay, that makes sense. We may need to talk later because my website currently is written in Gridsome and I'm considering the switch over to Nuxt. So I may have questions for you. Anyway, I noticed on your website that you have a blog with a very large number of articles. And I see a lot of stuff about Sketch and Tailwind and Storyblock. What got you into blogging um, in general? Just what, what brought you to this? Uh, well, it was quite funny because I was uh, just locked down in my home when the coronavirus starts. And I think that I have to do something productive just to don't lose the time. And then I start creating my blog. And first I was thinking what I can talk about what I'm working on. So I just start writing blog posts about the technology I use daily. And some people in Twitter just asked me to talk more about Tywin, but because they are a little bit lost. So I started just focusing my my blog post more on that, on the Tywin CSS and also on Next, because in the top I use Tywin, but in every project I have, I use also Next. So I was writing blog posts about the technologies I use in my personal projects, because in my current job, I use I only use Envue, but for my side projects, I, I just try everything I see in the internet that is cool. <laughs> I just want to make it a try and and help people to understand it better. And that's why I started blogging. <laughs> so I've tried blogging. And if you go to my website right now, there's about two blog posts about technology. The rest of it is some fiction writing that I was doing. And one of the issues that I run into with with writing blog posts is I never feel like I'm sufficiently versed in something to to share my knowledge with the world in a in a blog format. Either what I'm saying has already been said by many other people or it's it's not in depth enough that I feel it's worth writing about. From this is my perspective, right? How did how did you get to be comfortable with writing about what you know and sharing what you have with the community? Well, when I started, I, I always dubbed about what I know, but I research a lot. I spent like for one article, like two weeks, just uh, reading everything on internet to be sure it's up to date, my, my article, and it's finished because I like to start an article. And when you read the, the final step, it's finished. It's not a gap in between. So I just I start with some tips like best practices or something like that. But when I create the create a dashboard on a story on on Taiwan CSS, this series, I just focus on help juniors or developers that doesn't know anything to understand the concepts. Because sometimes I don't have the words to explain what I'm doing. So I just try to explain it like a child. Just as you can explain people who doesn't know anything about development. So I just try to write it like a book 
that you can read just for fun. <laughs> I tried. Sometimes people said me, and you are technical too, <laughs> but I'm trying to do it for everyone. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And yes, it makes sense also to to do those. I think you said at least for one, there was two weeks of research. So that that helps from my perspective. So do you do all your blogging on your own time or does your employer give you time to do some of your blogging? No, no, no. I don't, uh, I don't make any blog posts for my companies. I just make it in the weekends or just in the afternoons okay. as the open source. Yeah. <laughs> sure. All right. So you mentioned the, uh, the creating a, a dashboard with Tailwind CSS. And I see that is a, it looks like a three-part series with a, a, an extra piece that talks about Storyblock. So maybe we can talk about that series a little bit, a bit and how you got into it, what the, what the process was like. And then we can also dive in a little bit in Storyblock because it's not a name I'm as familiar with. How does that sound? Oh, okay. Well, I start creating the dashboard just to explain how to make the common steps with Tywin CSS because when you start, you can use just classes that are already made or just in your config file. But when you are deep in into it and before this release, they have some properties that they don't have it. So there is like a function you can create to create your own classes for properties that they don't have. So I just create the, the series to explain how you can create your own classes not only use the, the ones by default or how to extend it in, in SAS or something like that. So I just start with the dashboard in Nuxt. So I was explaining also how to create a project from zero, from scratch with these technologies. And in the third post, I decided just when I was writing everything in the view files, use a storybook as a, as a hello CMS. So I just changed the project, just the the people can see how to migrate your project to Storyblock. Because I see that there is a lot of how to start from zero with Storyblock, but it's not the same when you are changing it. And you will see that it's so easy to do it because I did it for my blog. I just created my blog in Markdown. And then with the time I need something to make it more quicker or just do it in my mobile phone because in the headless CMS, you have website online. So you just can enter login and start writing blog posts. So I decided to migrate everything to Storybook and I changed my project itself. I didn't make it from scratch. So I explain it also in this series just to make it easier for people that are just working with Markdown and want to change to a real Hello CMS. Okay. And for those who are to wear, including myself, what is Storyblock just from a high level? Okay. Storybook is just a Hello CMS. So you have like a CMS uh, commonly used WordPress. <laughs> so you have just a place where you can start creating your own, how I can call it, block. <laughs> because it's called a story block because each block is like a component in view. You can create a block with uh, the properties, title, tag, how you can create table in a database is something similar. So you are creating by yourself your database and then everything could be dynamic. So you will create a block called post, for example. So you create a post and then you start creating the title, everything that you create before. And then just it will send you in an endpoint, a JSON with this content. That's it. So it's 
the same as you can do with API, but more simple because it's just build it for yourself. So you are building your database and you are creating your content dynamically just online. It's quite funny because I didn't know anything about Hello CMS. And when I started using it, I, I feel that this the technology that will just eat everything from APIs. There is, <laughs> I think it's the most simple technology to make backend for me at least because I'm front end maybe. <laughs> yeah, I've I've used a little bit of, of headless CMS. You mentioned WordPress. I used that for a little bit before I moved everything over to Markdown. So what, I guess, what is the benefit of using a headless CMS as opposed to just writing Markdown? I, I would imagine there's some developers that would look at that and say, I can just write a Markdown file and it can have whatever content I want. And I can use the the front matter to put in any data that I need for my site. I can just do it all myself. Why do I need this user interface? Maybe it's more restrictive. Maybe I don't have as much control. What What's the trade-off there? Uh, maybe it depends because when I was looking for a CMS to change my markup, my markdown was just because I want to do it in my mobile phone. When when I am just walking in the street, I just want to write something and I can do it. So it's just for quickly access to my blog post or articles, just because maybe someone told me you have a typo. So you, I just go to my mobile phone and just change it. That's it. But obviously they have more more features that the market doesn't have as the user management because they can make just you can make just the the place where you can upload your post and that kind of stuff. And then some people can access to it and you have your CMS live for most people. So it's just built for authorization, that kind of stuff. So it's just for big breweries, I think, more than common user. But I really like it because Storybook has a free package for developers. So you can just trade for your website and it's free. So it's it's quite difficult because they are paying a server and you are just using it for free. It's, I don't understand it, but I really like it. So I, I'm just in love with this technology and I will use it in every period I have. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. I, that health clinic site that I, I mentioned is currently using Markdown files and perhaps Storyblock would be a good solution for that, especially since there are non-technical individuals having to manipulate those files. I'm currently using uh, Forestry to to do the, the headless CMS aspect, but it's all saving to Markdown files and I think it might confuse some people. Okay, so it's like news content or something similar. I didn't hear about it. Uh, so how forestry. do you like... How do you like forestry, Lindsay? I've, I've looked at that one before and it seems a little funky with the front matter I think they use. Is that? Yeah, it, I mean, it learn? is a little funky. It is a little funky. And that's why, as as you're describing it, I'll be intrigued by Storyblock. The The benefit I have from forestry is it allows three users at, at the free tier still. But uh, yeah, I mean, it works pretty well. You're able to manipulate the front matter. You're able to enter the content. And it has a way to preview the site that you're writing with the updated content. Speaking of which, I would assume Storyblock has similar functionality there where you can do a preview. Yeah, obviously you have a preview. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, um, I've heard uh, I've heard Storyblock used as a tool and yeah, in a lot of front end places, whether it's Drupal, whether it's stuff like Vue or, you know, anything where you're just designing your, you know, creating your design first and wanting to put everything together. So it's a it's one that I've heard used quite commonly. 
what is the integration like between Nuxt and uh, Storyblock? As everything in Nuxt, there is a model for that. <laughs> so I didn't look at it, but uh, they are just making apicals with Axios, I, I think. And they just translated to a Storyblock API. So you are using the Storyblock API instead of making the calls to the API with the Axios, but it's the same. So it's, it's, so, it's so easy because it's like call an API, a normal API, but just make it for Storyblock but because they are doing something inside. Like they have draft and also publish for the content you are uploading. So you can just make a draft version in your pre-testing or just in localhost. And then when you publish, then it will be ready in your live site. So it's so cool because you can just make it and leave it months. And then uh, one month say, okay, it's ready to publish and just press the, uh, press the button publish. And that's it. <laughs> nice. Have you thought about learning to do native iOS development? Are you using Swift at work? Or maybe you've considered writing applications for macOS. We have a podcast that covers all of that called iFreaks. We have a new panel and a lot of exciting things to talk about. So come check us out at iFreaksShow.com. Yeah, I'm looking at one of your uh, code snippets on the blog post, create a dashboard, adding story block, which I'll make sure there's a direct link to. We put a link for your website as well. Yeah, it looks like you're in, you're just requesting the data in the async data method. So using a static site generator, for example, it would all just be pre-generated. You're not doing any additional API calls once the site is built. Is that correct? Yeah, for that, with the full static site, I just have everything block because when I change anything, I have to rebuild, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> that's a problem sometimes, but also it's good when you have a small site like me. So it's cool. Nice. Uh, you know, I'm looking at Storyblock and I'm realizing, okay, this is a little different. I was thinking, I'm not sure what I was thinking of in terms of a visual design tool. This is more of a headless uh, Maybe you was, yeah, you were thinking about a storybook. Yeah, I yeah, think that's misconception. it. Misconception, yeah. yeah. Everyone. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah. Gee, I can't understand where that confusion would come from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this yeah, okay. is block because you create a block when you are creating this database simulation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they've got a nice, on Storyblock, they have an article about adding a headless CMS to Next.js using Storyblock. So. Yeah. They have a, a great article that will be editing soon because... <laughs> It will be next three sometime in some months. So we have to be ready. <laughs> so I see the, the work that you're putting in and the blog posts and everything. What brought you to become, I believe the, the title, yeah, you have your title of ambassador at Storyblock and Next.js. How did, how did you become an ambassador for these two projects? Well, it was like an amazing day for me because I just write some blog posts about Cherryblock and I was just creating an account on Twitter and then I share my content to the world. And every comment or tweet I see that they are asking for some headless CMS that they can use. I always recommend the Storyblock. So Storyblock guys see me on Twitter and tell me, what are you doing? You are making just announcement of, of our product. So they asked me if I want to write a blog post, a blog post for them. So I just uh, write a blog post about how to integrate a story blog in an express app with M M 
mp.html components because I was working with that technology in uh, another company. So I just started writing a blog for them and they asked me to be ambassador just to help them with content or just to try to publish to everyone. Just announce that I was just writing more blog posts on my website on how to integrate it or I just telling the people that they can use it for the uh, Hello CMS and, and that's it. So it was for my content because they see me and they like what I'm doing and they ask me just to join. So I'm so happy. <laughs> that's very awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Was it a similar experience getting in to be an ambassador for Nuxt as it was for Storyblock? It was different because <laughs> I'm a stalker. Okay, so when I just met Debbie O'Brien and Sebastian and Alex in a conference. I just uh, started following them in each social media. So they didn't see me, but when I start just blogging, they see me and, and they start asking me how it is being an ambassador in Storyblog, how it is, what I'm doing. So I just start helping them to understand the concept and they just create an ambassador team and they ask me if I want to join because I'm doing right now what they want I want they want I do in the future. So I just joined because I was writing posts for them. <laughs> so it was quite funny. But now I'm working a lot in help in some modules and also in in the documentation in Spanish because I was translating with a lot of people, but uh, I was just reviewing some pull requests and helping with the docs. So I'm so happy to help them. Now you're still nice. doing this just on a volunteer basis for Nuxt, is that correct? Yeah, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. <laughs> well, I know that like Debbie works for Nuxt and so that's why I was just Hi, Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the ambassador team, we are just making content and helping them with, with the open source, but it's for free, obviously. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. And I'm I'm curious, what was it like working on the the translation for the Nuxt docs? I I saw Debbie talking about that a lot. How they were going to be in Spanish very soon, and I think that's out at this point. Yeah, now it's out because uh, they just create new website, so it it was quite easy to start uh, making more languages because they create a good setup. So I, you just need to create your language, your configuration set up for the language, and then just start uh, making markdowns with the content they have in English, just copy paste this one and translate it and that's it. So it's so easy now because they have news content. So you just have to create a folder and start writing. <laughs> Very nice. And at that point, if you're using Next content, it's pretty easy to just serve up whichever language you need, right? English, Spanish, potentially German, French, what have you, right? Yeah, they just have one folder for each language and that's it. Cool. Are are there ongoing projects right now that people could contribute to to help translate the Next docs into their language? Yeah, I think so. Then the Next docs are always open to do because at the moment they have a lot of languages but they are translating to Japanese, Chinese, the the languages that really need a translation. But if you know some language that is not in the docs, you can just create your own. So it's quite easy and there is a guideline just to do it. So if anyone wants to collaborate, can do it. And we are in awesome. Hacktoberfest, so you have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is true. For those listening, in case the episode airs late, we are recording in the middle of October. So as Alba mentioned, we are in Hacktoberfest 2020. Oh, no, you're good. Actually, I wanted to mention that since you had a blog post about it. How how has it been for you doing more contribution to open source? What what have you been doing recently? Well, I just started helping Nax with these docs. So I started just uh, looking into guidelines and, and other projects just to help with. And when the Hacktoberfest starts, I just look with the label Hacktober. And I see some projects that are looking for people who knows how to migrate from CSS to less or SAS. So I just start uh, helping them. And then I see that Frontend Foxes, that is women that help other women to get into the web development and that kind of stuff. So I just see that they are building their website with V3. So I want to test it. And I I just create the JS config for the project and the unit test for everything. And also I add my pipeline. I have a workflow in GitHub that win a prize in, in Dev2. So I'm so happy. <laughs> and I just add it to their project. And now they have uh, unit testing. So I'm so happy to, to be able to help with it. And also I have some troubles with Vue 3 and JS and I have to fix it. And maybe... Sometimes, yeah, I think I will write a post about it because it's quite difficult to fix it. And finally, I found it. So I have to write about it. Yeah. Nice. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for all of this. This has been a great discussion. <laughs> Nothing. Before we, before we get to the end, is there anything you would like to say that we have not yet talked about? Anything you'd like to share? I think I talk about everything. Yeah. Cool. I think I have one more question just because you have it on your Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, uh, one of the one of the accounts you link to in your in your description is the AMP HTML, the AMP project. Yeah. What are your views around that? I I know that some people are are less than thrilled about AMP as a as a concept. So I'm, I just want to know what it is you like about it. It was quite funny because when I start working for the Irish company, I start as a view developer. Uh, they asked me to start using MEP also in some projects because they have published projects. So they want to be so speed up because there is a lot of content there. So they they listen about AMP. So I just started using it for a project uh, built in Laravel. And it was quite funny because uh, you with Tailwind, you can do whatever you want. Because the components are already built. It's like you are calling a web component or a view component. So it's already built. You just have to style it. So I just styled everything with uh, with Tailwind. And it, it looks like you are building an application with Vue. But <laughs> instead of Vue, it's MVP in the backend side. So I just create some projects with it. And in my website, in the projects tab, you will see some of them. Loving Dublin was done with it. And also public, um, how it's called? Southern Start, also a publisher. And also Go Loud, yeah. So there is some projects I did it there with this technology. And it was amazing to do it because everything is built. So you just have to call it. It's quite simple. But you, you will 
always use it for simple things. You can use it for something that is reactive. You need to use it only for things like a publisher. You are showing thumbnail or something like that, just a title with a description. So it's easy to do it. But if you want to do something reactive, a form, you will die trying it. <laughs> it's hard to break it down. <laughs> That's interesting. Perhaps we'll need to uh, get you back on so we can talk a little bit more in depth about this. I didn't realize it was so so complete a project. Yeah, yeah. It was created just because Google boosts it, because there is a special cache on Google that catch every website with IMP. So it's more quicker for that because they have their own system to just show the application. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you again, Alba, for, for joining us today and going through all of this. It has been wonderful talking with you. Oh, you're welcome. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. At this point, we'll move on to picks. For those who aren't aware, picks are the part of the show where we share things that we like. It doesn't have to be tech-related. We just want to share it with you. Uh, maybe you can get some benefit out of, out of it as well. So we'll start with Steve. Steve, what is your pick for today? I'm actually going to go with two picks for today and double my pleasure. So first, I'm going to go old-school movie. I think in the past, I mentioned uh, a classic that I sat down and watched one day when it happened to come on TV on a Saturday afternoon, Casablanca. And this time is another Humphrey Bogart movie that was on, and I managed to catch it right at the beginning called Key Largo. Definitely a, a good movie, one of those old ones that uh, it's got a good plot. And, you know, the famous actors, you got Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, uh, as referenced in the Gordon Lightfoot song, Key Largo. I still hear that song in my head now that I watched that movie. And then you got Edward G. Robinson and Lionel Barrymore in it as well. But uh, just a neat movie, good plot, good acting, uh, just fun, old, old movie to watch. I've never really been big on some of those old classics like that. You hear their names all the time, but never watch them. And it's uh, fun to sit down and watch one and find a really good one. And the second one has to do with our, one of our favorite topics, good old coronavirus. And this is something called the Great Barrington Declaration that was put out recently by a professor of medicine at Harvard, a professor at Oxford University, an epidemiologist, and then an epidemiologist from Stanford University. And it just talks about what they see as a better way to handle this epidemic in terms of basically being able to live your lives and not live in lockdowns, as the WHO came out and said recently, as of this recording. I think it's fairly well written, makes some good points, and there will be detractors, of course, as with anything. But uh, it's at gbdeclaration.org. And uh, just it's, uh, I think, some enlightening information. Great. Thank you. Alba, do you have a pick for us today? Yeah, I have one. There is a TV show in HBO called Race by Wolves. Uh, the TV show is centered around two androids called Father and Mother, that they are trying to raise human children in another planet because the Earth just uh, was destroyed by a religious war. So there, there is one of my main characters that I love, that is the the one who played Ragnar in Vikings. So I just recommend it. And I will I won't say anything more because otherwise there will be a spoiler a spoiler. Because the TV show is just crazy. Your mind will be just crazy. <laughs> it's it's amazing that, that TV show. Yeah, I've heard that show mentioned in a few different places. Yeah, so you have to see seems it. to be a good one. <laughs> and it's on where would you say HBO or HBO? <laughs> No, no, is that the channel? Where, where is it on? 
Yeah, yeah, it's in HBO. Okay. <laughs> awesome, thank you. I'm going to follow with two picks. One of them is my continuing need to escape how lovely it is to have to stay at home all day. It is a Kickstarter project. It's a video game called Terra Invicta. The The basic premise of the game is aliens have arrived in the outer regions of the solar system and modern day Earth, like the, the, the political climate, everything that we kind of have today, detects this. And there is a scramble to try and come up with the correct solution to it. And there's a bunch of different human factions, some wanting to join with the aliens, some wanting to fight back, some wanting to just leave the solar system altogether, lost cause. And, and the game just starts out with you trying to unite Earth around your faction, and then you expand out into the solar system and build out your ships and try to fight back or not, as the case may be. And it just seems like a really cool game. It says it will be on Steam next year. They were just looking for some additional funding to get over the, the final hump of development. So that's my first pick. The second one is about an hour before our podcast, my USB-C charging cable for my phone decided to die. And I know that I'm going to buy my new cable from monoprice.com, which I have chosen before for my standing desk. And I just wanted to reiterate it for anyone who isn't aware of them. It is a great place to buy hardware at a good price. They have cables at exceptionally good prices. They have other things at pretty good prices. And it's just worth checking out. On their homepage right now, they are highlighting phone cables, wireless charging, headphones, monitor mounts, and then other more expensive things. Looks like they might be selling guitar gear now. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. Monoprice.com. It's an excellent place. Yes, I can vouch for Monoprice. I've been buying stuff from them for years, like uh, HDMI cables or charging cables or stuff. There's stuff I'd see there for like two bucks and you go to like a Best Buy and it's 24 bucks, you know, or something like that. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I originally found it. I, I originally found it at a previous job where I was IT manager and we needed to buy a whole bunch of Ethernet cables. And I was tired of having to pay the Office Depot and Best Buy prices. And Oh, for sure. It, it was so worth it. So those are my two picks. Alba. Where can people find you if they want to continue this conversation? We've already we've already put links to your blogs into the show notes, but where where else can people find you? Of course, I will be on my blog, <laughs> but also I will be on Twitter, and also I'm so active in LinkedIn. So I think it's a good place. Also, maybe sometime I will open a Discord channel, but it's just a future project. <laughs> Or do you are you active on the next uh, Discord channel at all? By chance? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like it so much. <laughs> what's your What's your username out there? Down Charles. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That would make sense. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Um, of course. And if you would like to reach out to us at the show, you're welcome to do so. We encourage it. You can find us at viewsonview.com or at devchat.tv. You can also find us on Twitter at viewsonview. You can find me personally at Yagabush, and you can find Steve at Wonder95. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you again next week. Have a good one. Adios. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.